0: Support for The Big O Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Summer is coming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code THEBIGO20. Your balls will thank you. On today's episode, I am joined by MMA analyst and overall badass Robin Black. We discuss what's happening in the UFC, his drug-induced seizure, the origin of his social media breakdowns, and Andy Kaufman. All this plus much more on the Big O podcast. Welcome back for another episode of the Big O podcast. I am your host, Julian Ortiz. And on today's episode, I am joined by a former rock star, former hairdresser, much music television host professional ass kicker and one of the greatest mixed martial arts experts in the game today mr robin black robin how are you doing today
1: hey man yeah yeah doing good all true i mean not not the nice parts the kind <laughs> parts. Right? Those, were, those are sort of exaggerations but the uh, the general stuff is true yeah i've i've, I've done a lot of stuff yeah and, and
0: you're still doing a lot of stuff i mean uh Normally, when I try to reach out to a guest, we try to come to like an amicable time and date and, you know, sometimes shit happens, you know, life happens. But for you, you know, it's business, you know, whether it's Bellator, whether it's getting ready to prep for the Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier trilogy fight on TSN with your, with your good friend, Jay. I mean, you're always on the go and have spent a lot of time in quarantine, especially in Toronto and in the, in, the, in the hotels. What has the last year been like for you considering your lifestyles really taking you all over the place?
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's been a weird one, man. Like, <laughs> You know, I got a lot of the things that I kind of believe and, you know, there's a certain, whether we all know it or not, we all kind of have our own philosophy, our own systems, the things that we believe, the things that we sort of, you know, structure our thinking and our doing around. Sometimes some of us are very specific about some of those things. Sometimes some of us just kind of let it happen. That's a philosophy too. Um, but yeah, there's certain things I believe in, hard work and adapting and like, you know, figuring out when is the right time to resist something, when's the right time to accept it. Like, this is all part of the path of, of studying, fighting, what I'm hoping to, to find. And a lot of that shit got tested, for real. You know, uh, so what was it, March 13th, 2019. Like, that's crazy, man. Like, we're in the summer of 2021. So March 13th, 2019, I was in um, the Mohegan Sun, in Connecticut and Bellator was doing fights. And that was Friday night. And on the Thursday, the world started being like, hey, the NBA shut down. Hey, all these <laughs> things are happening. Thursday night, they said, okay, no crowd, but we're doing the fights. And then Friday midday, you know, people around the cage, there was somebody with a really bad cough turned out to be a cold, not a not a virus, but they shut the whole thing down. I rented a car and I got in it and I drove home. <laughs> and then, yes, you know, eight and a half hours. And then, Jeez. yeah, like, do you remember those days where we didn't know kind of where things were going? We didn't know at all. And I had partnerships, Bellator being kind of my biggest partnership, where I work with and for them. And I just thought to myself, okay, you know, what are we going to do here? And this is where, uh, back to those kind of philosophies of life that, that I believe that I like to think about. It's like, okay, I believe we're going to, whatever we do, we got to come out of this better than we went in. We're going to spend time to develop like personal development, uh, skill development, skill acquisition, learning, be fit, you know, be healthy. Like I cannot just let this year go by. And so I didn't, you know, I created different things that I could do from home for Bellator and then signed other partnerships where I work from home. When the chance was there to travel, I took it. And this another one of those sort of philosophical things. I think it's like, I'm scared to do this. I'm scared of the travel. I'm scared of all the moving parts. It's a shitload of work. Multiple (laughs) COVID tests. All this kind of stuff. Uh, Someone else will do it if I don't. And does that mean they don't work me? Does that mean they don't encourage me? Does that mean no? They're not going to do that. I don't get out encouraged and outworked. People can be smarter, better, stronger you know, more talented than me, but they're not gonna outwork me or or you know, be more be more willing than me. So I I put those things into account and here we are, you know, summer and it looks like the world is a little more open. But yeah, there was travel, there was COVID, there was there was hotels, there was loneliness and fear and anxiety, but I fucking did it, you know? And I'm coming out of this fitter, smarter, healthier and busier and better at my job than I went into it. Like I like I you know I I decided I was going to do
0: that. And there's usually like two ways that people can go down different roads, right? You can embrace it and and did what you did and and saw it as an opportunity to get better at what you did and find different avenues that maybe weren't necessarily open to you before. But now you have a little bit more time and flexibility to to figure things out. And then you have those who just say, you know what? The world's shutting down. I'm going to shut down. We start eating terribly. We stop. We stop sleeping. Believe it or not, we're we're streaming yeah. television shows. We're we're eating yeah. junk food. We're we're not really yeah. being healthy. And then all of a sudden, you know, two years later, or a year later, when things are starting to get opened back up, you have the people who thrive yeah. during COVID, who yeah. are ready to hit the ground running, and then you have those yeah. who are going to get a much slower start. And, you know, I love to talk about mental health. When we talk to a lot of our guests and, you know, mental health is a real thing. A lot of people experience Fuck it. Yeah. A, a lot of people develop challenges that they didn't even know existed during COVID. Did you ever at any point with things being shut down and, and the limited interaction that you may have had with the outside world, did you ever experience anything or know anyone who experienced these challenging yeah. times?
1: Yeah, for sure. Everybody I know had something. You know, there's certain friends where you'd see them, we'd all pop out of our caves and you're like, holy fuck, he's not doing great. And, you you know, you worry, and then you'd spend a little more time and try to like connect a little more. Yeah, I, you know, I had a couple of meltdowns. I, I feel fortunate, like, I don't, I don't want it to be misleading, When I'm like, you go out there and you go for it. Like, it isn't about, you know, being tougher or wanting it more or any of these cliches. A lot of it is good luck. Everything is built a tiny bit, like wherever you are, wherever, whatever setting we're at, zero to a thousand, whatever, A to Z, whatever, whatever measuring system you want to use, wherever you are, the goal isn't to be somewhere else. The goal is to be slightly better than that. Can, can I be slightly better? Can I be a little more equipped? Can I be a tiny bit healthier? Can I rest a bit more? Can I meditate a little? Could I get a little exercise? Like, is there anything I could do? And, and so when you say, oh, I was going to go after it, that's, that's, that's a little disingenuous because the goal is to be a tiny bit better. We've had 400 and some days, maybe 500 days. I don't know. We've had a lot of fucking days. If you made a t- tiny incremental improvement, more days than not, and it doesn't mean every day, but a lot of days, did well, and there was a couple of falls, you're still edging forward, edging forward. 500 days later, you could somebody could learn Spanish or to play piano at this time. Yeah. You could have learned to edit software, design something. You There's any number of skills you could do, but you have to believe it can be done and you have to not fear it. And you have to realize it ain't about the destination. It's about tiny incremental improvements. But yeah, I had a few, like I, I got into some really, there was a period where, I, you know, I live two, almost two hours outside of Toronto, but here is where my, my studio is and we can stay here as well. And, um this is where my my high speed Wi-Fi and my setup is right. so I you know I looked at it I'm like what I have a partnership with Bellator they don't end it for six months I didn't have shows right. nobody fighting there was nothing happening I'm like, what can I do? what can I give them? my goal is to create value for a partner or an audience or whatever this is this is what defines all of us in our work so, I gotta do something. So I pitched different things. It's like, hey, what if I break down older fights? What if I go and bring in fighters, if they were doing rebroadcasts of old fights, bring in a fighter, Austin Vander, for say, uh, or, you know, um, uh, Sergio Pettis, somebody who will watch their fight together and we'll stream that on platforms. And so all these different things, I was like, you know, my job is to do something for you. What can I do? I found things to do, that's and created things to do that made my partner happy, the audience happy, and me happy. That involve involved me coming to Toronto Monday, Wednesday, Friday, two hours each way. No big deal. You listen to podcasts, you drive. The highways were empty, but I use that somehow as permission to eat junk food each way, <laughs> both times. Drive through. Like I'd get drive through. I'd get. Up, quarter pound of cheese and two cheeseburgers, I'd get, oh, wow. you know, like bad shit. And it, and I was also jogging cause my wife and I were like, we're going to run and we're going to do yoga. Like, yes, there could be a, a, a cocktail, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon, but not if we didn't exercise, like we, we had to figure out how to give ourselves some structure. But when I went each way, that's six times a week, that's two burgers each time. That's it's uh six directions. That's 12, burgers a week, you know, you're adding 4000 calories, Now, just gaining a bit of weight during COVID or whatever isn't the end of the world. But I started feeling bad. I started feeling anxious. I started feeling uh, let lower performance, I started getting grumpy. I remember getting grumpy on the internet. But I wasn't (laughs) sleeping. I was and then you let it slip. So now I'm eating junk food. I'm not sleeping. Well, I'm experiencing stress because of all the changes and that I'm denying. And then I did the thing that we've all done at different times and during periods like this we do, I turned on the news. I started watching that shit, like brain garbage, right? Just, you know, foreheads on there arguing with each other, (laughs) none of which are informed about nothing of any real substance, narratives, sound bites, you know, conflict, controversy. And all of a sudden I found myself angry on the internet and like angry at the world. And I realized I had to stop and go, okay, wait, eating like shit get no exercise, sitting in a car, consuming brain garbage, uh, not sleeping well, negativity uh, creeps in. I must change this. I was able to change a lot of it fairly quickly because I understand it right. and I've been healthy. So just realize and be able to compare it. But I also, it made me realize a lot of people just live like that. They don't know that there's another way. They don't know, they deny that the addiction to... Angry news is harming them. They say it's helpful. They need the information. It's not true. It's not true. Then they eat that garbage and maybe not educated that it's eating better. would and and they and a lot of our society just lives like that. And a lot of mental health is and of course mental health, as you said, is a super real thing. Yeah. You know. You can break your leg, you can become depressed, it's all biological, right? But there are elements that make a broken leg or a biological depression or anxiety worse. And that is diet, sleep, rest, exercise, right? So I did, uh, but I'm very fortunate. I've I've had some incredible good luck in my life that has allowed me to see some of these things and know that they're true. Know that if you eat better, you feel a touch better. If you sleep better, you feel a touch better. And, and, uh, And I've had that, and, and a lot of that is just good luck.
0: One of the things that I've seen a lot through social media over the last, you know, 14 to 16 months is everyone's sort of got like this new passion. You know, for a lot of people like myself, it was, you know, let's start a podcast. Let's find a way to interact with people. Even if we're not doing it in person, we can at least do it through a screen and get to meet and have fun conversations. Some people started cooking. Some people started oh. a new hobby, learning a, a new language or some, something different to try to keep themselves busy. Is there something that you did or learned that was a little bit out of your norm over the last few months?
1: You know, I did a lot more reading and I did a lot more writing. Okay. So it wasn't like picking up a brand new thing, but like I got, I have a number of books now and I always get like kind of interesting books. We've like cool little artistic <laughs> books. And then this one has like you know skeletons and stuff, but I just (laughs) thought it was somebody's craft that they were making. They've made and sold these, and then every day I would write in it. And writing is not a new skill, but this is a new uh, habit, and it really, really was helpful. You know, a lot of because I love my work and I'm really proud of my work and I'm really driven to like create. Um, a lot of times I start something because I think it's going to help me with that, but this definitely helped me just with life. Like in, and I do it in the morning. I sit down and I write a page, and I got and not just what I was writing and the fact that I was getting something out, but it was t- not training me to. It was allowing me to allow myself to write without thinking, right? Just write. Not, and and that's that sort of you know free flowing expression I think was newer to me. Um, now it all comes together in many ways. You don't know what leads to what. Like I've written a lot in my life. Right. A lot of that got to this you know train of thought, freedom of expression. Like what do they call it? Um, it's called unconscious expression or something there's different terms for it where you can freely write it some of that is from practicing writing some people can freely play piano they don't freely play piano because they sit down at it (laughs) one day they can do it they play piano consciously through much of their life and then eventually they can do that Uh, i did i did fortunately get a piano um somebody in my town was was giving it away if anyone could move it (laughs) <laughs> they could have it and it's a big beautiful old piano and so i actually had my friend elias theodoro who used to fight ufc he's he's on a winning streak since the ufc his brother uh has a company that moves stuff and so he helped me get it all organized and, and i got a piano slightly before so we've been playing that a little bit too um you know, my, the one thing I I didn't do that I really wanted to do, um, I guess I wanted to do it. I must, I do, I believe I want to do it, but is I don't really cook right? okay. and I really love to cook and I'd really love to cook, you know, more for my wife. Um, but I don't. And I think I'm afraid somehow. So that's something I should, uh, something I, I will work on.
0: So going down the road of piano and cooking, you know, People learn yeah. the guitar, one of the things that they want to eventually get to is you know the masterpiece stairway to heaven, right? Like that's always yeah. like the yeah, yeah, let's yeah. get there. Yeah, yeah. For piano, is there a song that you are inching towards being like, I want to make sure that one day I mm-hmm. can play this song?
1: Really good question. Uh no, I more so hear songs and then think I want to play a lot of them. Okay. So, and in fact, I haven't yeah, no, I haven't found that kind of definitive one. Although I once saw somebody play November Rain by uh, Guns N' Roses, and thought, I'd "Like to play that." So, <laughs> uh, uh, but that's a really interesting question. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen that a thing where I've I've obsessed about it. I, I tend to like to learn skills more than I like to have sp- like specific things like. These days, I do, anyways. I like to just like the art, the act of getting better at things. Right. But maybe sometimes having a specific, you know, concrete objective maybe helps with that too.
0: It's amazing to hear you talk and the words that you use. And when we look at like the resume that I'm going to go through in just a few minutes, you can see how it is useful in every aspect of your career along the way. And even though some of those things are so different, the principles around how you approach those things all remain the same. Um, we'll come back to what the final or the first dish you want to be able to cook that that wow moment for your wife mm-hmm. is going to be towards mm-hmm. the end of the podcast. So think about what you might want that to mm-hmm. be. But you know, you grew up in Pinawa, Manitoba. What was life like in Manitoba for Robin Black?
1: Oh, there's a lot of. <sighs> A lot of these things when i think of them now they're just variables and the variables that i got exposed to were really really interesting for me at least they they i I found them interesting and i find them interesting now so pinawa specifically is a, or was a town that existed on the other side of a bridge on what is kind of an island surrounded by water. So, although it was in central Canada, Manitoba, people in America can think of South Dakota, you know, that same sort of central kind of small, un- underpopulated, a lot of farming kind of stuff. But this town wasn't that. This town was a nuclear research plant plopped in the middle of, of a forest with, a, with um, a channel that was created around it in the middle of nowhere with one road in on a on a bridge and we used to always when we were kids we were like would they blow that bridge up if we had a meltdown it, obviously they wouldn't but in, in your minds you're like you got to trap the radiated people there it's like but you know so but yeah you get a, you get a bridge onto what is was essentially a man-made very large island with thousands tens tens of thousands of deer. They run around like squirrels. It's really strange, but so you're in a town where every adult, unlike a lot of rural towns everywhere, every adult is a scientist. Wow! And and my father um, grew up on a farm. He his father had a grade one education. He he had no education essentially, right. and he could spell one word, and that was his name. His name was Ed. Uh, and that's what he could spell. And that was he had no my where my father grew up. It was a different area of Manitoba called the Interlake. Farming and nothing but very little education at the time. Uh, his both his parents had many brothers and sisters. None of them had a grade six education. And my father went through and somehow education was his thing. Martial arts is my thing. Education was his thing, and he became a a teacher, then a principal, and then a school superintendent. And it was a school wow. superintendent in an area where his ideas of, you know, trying to to enhance and 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 support learning were not well received from the farmers and the people in the area who are like, why are you wasting money on this? He realized it was sort of a tentative thing. And he went to find a place where he could, you know, sort of really. Pursue what he was interested in, which was education, and of course you end up in this little town in the middle of nowhere with the children of scientists <laughs> and with a nuclear research plant. So that's where I grow up, and, and weird. And although I did well in school, and I, you know, physics and math and all those things come fairly. I, I they came fairly naturally to me, and I'm, and especially when I'm curious about something. I was an artist. Right. I like music. I was a martial artist. My parents dro- drove me to the city two hours each way to train Taekwondo from the time I was a kid, three days a week, even though they both worked. So all of a sudden, I know I'm telling a long story of me as a kid, but all of a sudden you realize I'm in the middle of the forest because of my dad's pursuits, surrounded by scientists learning at an extremely high level with two busy parents who understand that my passion is martial arts and drive me 2 hours each way to a city to train taekwondo and I happened to find a school that was really good I just found the one in the yellow pages and it ended up being really good and these series of good fortune shaped my whole life you know everything I have ever done everything good that I've ever accomplished is connected to the lessons I learned through a, a and my mother uh, uh, to add to the story was born in South Africa, in Rhodesia, which is oh, wow. it was it is now called Zimbabwe, uh, in Africa. Uh, she's Welsh. Her fa- parents were there, sort of in a military, almost a m- missionary military kind of place. Went back to Wales at seventeen. She left. Nobody did this. She joined the army, and she was in Hong Kong. She was in all of these places as an wow. army nurse until she ended up in Canada. Now I've got parents who is an exploring traveling you know, learned world traveled mother who pursued medicine because she liked it, but also for the purposes of learning and travel and a father obsessed with education in a small area, which is full of scientists, you know, performing it at a high level. But I'm a weird artist who gets driven because my parents are, are generous people to the city to learn martial arts as a kid. And that's that, that era I now understand shaped everything that was to come in my life and as you said the other everything that i've done ever is connected to the lessons of a working hard to learn some skills to practice some things to get a yellow belt and then a green belt and then an orange belt that relates to me when as a martial artist as a fighter as a martial arts analyst but it also related to me as a hairdresser and a singer and everything else <laughs> the, all of those same lessons are part of the same thing and it all dates back and, and I realized we're all that. And yeah. and although all everything I've said sounds great, there were definite negatives and downsides and pains and problems with it, too. There are other people who you will talk to at times in your life. They'll say, my father beat me. My mother was killed by a car. I had nothing in my life. And that created my success. For sure. Right? Like... Uh, It isn't better, worse, different. Like we are all shaped by what we're exposed to, our life experiences, the knowledge we gain, you know, the skills we develop, the things we learn, good and bad. Like I said, I'm always blown away where I can say now in retrospect, God, I had so much good fortune. Some other people like, All the bad fortune I had created strength and and goals and drive, and they are successful. We're shaped by these things. And how we interpret them, I think, uh, to some degree is up to us. But I think a lot of that is good luck, too.
0: Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Well, you're in luck. Our friends over at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0 compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming fellas gone are the days where grooming our man bits need to result in any unnecessary injuries since i began using manscapes amazing products i have completely eliminated those tugs nicks and hold your breath moments when trying to groom my man junk i care about my balls remaining accident free and you should too so it's time to bundle up with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. This trimmer is insane, and dare I say, the GOAT of all ball trimmers? Yeah, I said it. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, all thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. And gives you the ability to turn that 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is also waterproof? In the shower or in the wild, and from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball throw, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose And ears. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides propriety skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations. Before heading outside, use the crop preserver ball deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. Then after trimming the lawn and whacking the weeds in the heats, give your beach balls a boost and use the crop reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts in their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Bring your comforter boxers to another level. To get 20% off and free shipping, use the code TheBigO20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code TheBigO20 at Manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds the summer and shine with Manscaped. Yeah, I mean, we hear always those inspirational stories that, you know, people come from nothing, like you said, no parents, no food, you know, welfare, any of those yep. challenges, and yep. they rise to the occasion. I mean, Donovan Bailey shared a very similar sentiment when we spoke, and he said, you know, his parents, he grew up with tons of love in his, in his life, tons of support, and that's what allowed him to mm. succeed. And without that, it would have been challenging, but he didn't grow up with the same challenges that some of athletes, actors, musicians, people of just the general world, you know, have to go through. And so it's uh-huh. nice to hear that it's not always just uh-huh. about you having to struggle yeah. in, to, in order to make it, but you can come from a good household and, and do it as well. And, you know, the first the first uh, reference you make that people of a younger generation might not be so hip with is, you mentioned the Yellow Pages. People. Yeah people of today's age aren't going to know what the hell a yeah. yellow pages are. They don't even know yeah. what like a phone booth is anymore. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's, 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 wild.
1: it's so crazy. the Yellow pages literally are physical yellow Google. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you would, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things now. I'm 50. I can't believe it, you know, which is scary too, because I, I hope I get to be live you know, and at a reasonably high performing level at 80. So I can keep learning and keep peeling layers of things I love to do. And 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 so I hope I can, but as you age, you do gain knowledge and experience and understanding if you're looking, but you also lose time. But right. as this time has gone by, certain things will come up and we'll have a conversation about something that we did in 1997. And I'll realize there was no Google or we didn't have a cell phone. (laughs) So how did we do it? You know, and and it's it's wild how much the world changes more now, I'm sure than ever.
0: It's funny because if you were to take like your pinky and your thumb and put it up to your head, a younger generation may not know that you're, you know, imitating a phone call. Right. Like they're so used to like the both hands and the thumbs going like the Twitter fingers that they don't even understand, like the the icon of, yeah. uh, of a telephone. Just yeah. crazy
1: that this is shaped like a telephone. Exactly. The there's <laughs> um, yeah, there's certain things. There's lots and lots of things that are icons now that would if you don't know where they came from, it's just the picture of something. Actually, right. this one doesn't line up to it. But have you seen, you know, an emoji of somebody giving the finger? Yes, a little little emoji. Yes, that is a digital representation of the physical shaping of a hand to represent some words that are made with a throat that shape in (laughs) such a way to uh, that represent an intent. You know what I mean? Like we're layering and layering and layering things. You know, go fuck yourself uh, without the words. You have an an intent or a a psychological idea. We eventually created (laughs) language. So now we take that psychological idea. We use language to express it. Later, we... Take this psychological idea and we take the words and we represent the words with a gesture. Then we take the intent that, as represented by words that is then represented by a gesture and we create a digital <laughs> rendering of it. And yeah. that doesn't sound, that isn't anything new. But if you pause and think about that, about how we are changing the way we think and communicate that something is lost and gained in each of these layers, you know? Yeah.
0: No, I mean, something as simple as today's generation of school-aged kids aren't going to learn how to write cursive, so they're not going to know how to sign their name. Something that yeah. you and I have done, you know, I bought a, bought a house, I buy a car, you know, yes. I have to sign, I went to the store today and I had to sign yeah. that I picked something up. The next yeah. generation of children aren't going to even know what that is because it's going to be like a tap or it's going to be just like printing their name in block yeah. letters. But I mean everything changes and everything evolves and it's just it's interesting when you take a step back to see just how crazy the world changes and how fast it adapts yeah. when you know things are coming up
1: and it changes our minds and experience and connection yeah. to the world not better or worse just different yeah the reason i write is because i find the physical expression of language changes the way i relate to it when right. i type I believe that is too, but not in the same way. Um, This is a very surface level, you know, knee-jerk thing I'm about to say, but I feel like I am more poetic when I write with with the shape of my hand and, and more mechanical with that. Now that may not be true, or it may be a feeling that is not accurate. But if it is true, maybe it's something about the artistic connection to the hand versus the, you know, the other one is about the organization of of letters. And this one's about a physical artistic expression. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But that doesn't sound like much. But if you have hundreds of changes like that. All yeah. of a sudden we are different. Again, not better or worse, but different. different and with differences comes different interactions, different societal things, different natures of the world we live in, you know. Uh and uh difference fine, but novel, uh new sometimes is jarring, not just for the other people, but for the structures. If right. we think different, we communicate different, whether well, our structures are politics, banks, you know uh, uh the commerce they change you know crypto changes commerce but it yep. so does our thinking so does the way we connect to money so does it's what it represents in the way we we uh, put together the puzzle pieces of the world around us you know it's freaky shit like that is freaky to think <laughs> about um you know i i see this one all the time all the time uh, that i'm trying to communicate with my thing which is martial arts with people And, and often people are like, wow, that's really cool. Other times I'll feel like, you know, somebody may, and this is a whole other uh, conversation, but someone, you know, who watches television a lot may think they know how science works or politics works or fighting works from TV. You may not do fighting or study it or actually know it. But if you hear commentators and people on television say things enough, you believe that's the thing. But that's not the thing that is a super general for the purposes of entertainment and or selling you know, commercial space or whatever. A very, very rudimentary interpretation of the thing without all of its deep connections. And so television has changed the way people understand the world around them. The more of it they watch, the less they think in terms of of the variation in the world and more they think in terms of this means this and this means this, and this is like this and this, and and everything feels like it's structured and the world isn't simple, simplistic. The world is incredibly complex. Uh, But television makes us believe that simple interpretation of it is the real thing.
0: So, you share very similar, at least in my mind, a very similar comparison to that of Joe Rogan. And I'll explain, I'll unpack this a little bit. You know, when I first started watching the UFC, I finally see this guy, this bald headed dude, and I'm like, wait a second, I know this guy, he used to host Fear Factor. I'm like, oh, crazy, Joe Rogan is now commentating the UFC, that is pretty amazing. And then all of a sudden, I started to do a little bit of like research, and you hear rumblings, oh, you know, Joe was Taekwondo. now we go on mm-hmm. the YouTube machine and he's showing yeah. how to do like sidekicks to GSP. And we're thinking, yeah. wait, GSP yeah. welterweight champion of the yeah. world is learning from Joe Rogan. And then, you know, you yeah. dive in and you realize that Joe's been yeah. practicing martial arts his entire life and he is yep. a certified badass. but
1: him yeah. coming. The martial arts expert.
0: Uh, yeah. Martial arts expert and him coming to the UFC, not only added a different level that, of, of commentary and, and analysis that yeah. we aren't used to and, basketball and hockey and and baseball and all of those things he brought a very different perspective and energy and changed the way that we interpreted sports he was able to break things down very simply but also explain for the person who is training in martial arts at an expert level and explain why this happens you know one of the famous things and you've talked about it before in interviews you know blood and sweat does that make it harder to get someone yeah. into a, a submission? Yeah. So is it better to try to submit them late, early in the fight rather than later? And again, it's like, wait a second, yeah. it makes sense, but we never yeah, thought yeah. about this until Joe sure. brought it up to us. And you, the, the comparison to you is, I grew up watching you on Much Music. You know, you were a VJ host, you were mm-hmm. uh, a, a judge on the uh, VJ, Search VJ Search on Much yeah. on Much Music, and you yeah. got to play that like Simon Cowell esque mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of role. And then you obviously start doing the the Cage Fighter uh, documentary show for, for Much Music. And I, I looked at you in a very different light and I'm like, wait a second, Robin Black is also a certified badass. And then you find out martial arts has been in your history from a small child. We're just now getting a piece. And then you fast forward 10 years, 15 years, uh-huh. and you are getting praise from the top Experts in the game, but you're also excelling in your own right. And I have to, I have to say this because I wrote this down. And I want to make sure that I get it absolutely uh, correct. You know, you have come up on social media with the amazing, like, sixty second breakdown videos, and you cover everything from MMA fights to animal ac- encounters in the wild to my recent favorite video, intergender fighting championship <laughs> featuring yeah. Beta Steve. Yeah, the yeah. title itself, I was hooked. Yeah, I watched it yeah. like five times in a row. <laughs> yeah, you know, are these videos sent to you in order to break down, or are you finding these organically through the internet and saying, Hey, this would be a fun thing for me to do, and the audience will
1: enjoy it? So, the first thousand probably I found, and okay. as I started, people started to like them, they would trickle in. Some would be like, Or I get tagged. You know, we need a big breakdown or like <laughs> however people will put it. So and now it is probably, although lately I feel like the ones that are obviously like, Robin, you should break this down, are not the ones I'm as interested in now. I'm looking okay. for nuance and strange stuff. But but yeah, they came about because I I made, you know, even the word now, people will say, hey, do a breakdown. Even right. That, to me. If that's a thing, I don't want to do that thing. It wasn't right. supposed to be a thing. It wasn't supposed to be a formula. I don't like formulas. Like, I don't like overly structured ways. I understand we need certain structuring and organizational things, but I, I also want to be free to just do it anyway. Right. Um, and so if you're – it's like a breakdown would be this is his stance. This is how he kicks. This is how he punches. This is what happened. Let me show you again. Let's do a Zoom. Look at this thing. Think I'm like, okay, I got to get away from that because that was never the goal. The goal was to enrich the experience as best as possible. But but so I built – when I did – if somebody were to go on YouTube and you know, a Robin Black Fight Network, you know, breakdown, put in Carlos Conde, it was an early one, Uriah Faber, there was some early ones, maybe 2012. There was no such thing. Like right. people had done it in football and stuff, but I had just – there was no such thing, an arrow, a zoom, a, a, a circle, whatever. It just didn't exist. There was some in print where people, Jack Slack was an OG, and and there was a couple of OGs who wrote about, hey, this is what this technique is, but it just didn't exist. And I worked at a place called Fight Network with a bunch of people, and we we created these things. Later, other people started to do them. You know, um, John Gooden and Dan Hardy, who are both friends, I like them both very much, they said early on that that mine were part of the inspiration, which is super kind. And Brian Stan used to talk about them even early on. And, and uh, but yeah, no such thing existed. I, and I made them five minutes, seven minutes. Then the UFC paid me to do some. And, and uh, all of a sudden I, I was working at this television channel and it just cut their entire digital creation department right. in 2017, I think it was 2017, uh, could have been 2016, but I think it was 2017, which in retrospect, now, cutting a digital creation department that you had a, a lot of le- you know connection to an audience possibly might be considered ba- a bad strategy in retrospect, but <laughs> it was their business, not mine, right? So right. they did that. Um, I, I was under the impression at the time, not that I want to harp on it because I'm sure they think it was a bad decision too, but, but uh, at the time I believe the entire department cost 30 something thousand Canadian dollars a month to run, which is not cheap, But now to get the depth of reach that we had digitally in advance with YouTube, Twitter, everything. Now people would spend, if you spent five times that to have what we had in 2017, most people would do it now. And it can't be done. You can't just spend a hundred grand a month and build an organic connection to an audience which we built. Uh, And then it was done. And one day I woke up and I had no job and I didn't know how to do anything, and I didn't have editors and lighting people in a studio, and I didn't have you know, a sound guy, and I didn't have a microphone and cameras. I didn't have anything. And yet this is what I do, and this was my thing, and I and I created it with, with a team of other people uh, that were uh, other artists, designers, producers, whatever, but it was my thing, and, and we started it, and here I couldn't do it anymore. And so I bought an iPad, and I, you know, they were five minutes deep, complex, me on, on TV, in a camera, or in a, an expensive suit with multiple cameras and lighting and everything. Bought an iPad, took, got some things, and eventually, after a few days of work, figured out how to rip a video and edit it and, and then, you know, put my voice on it. At first, I didn't have zooms and circles and arrows and stuff, but I built something, and I, and I did a video, and I was like, you know what, I think I can do this. And it was a minute, and I think very early. I very early, I literally just said, I'm Robin Black and this is your one minute breakdown. Yeah. It just I just said it and <laughs> and then um I made it and I was like, and you know, like four hundred people watched it or something and they liked it. And I thought, I could do this. I thought it'll take a thousand of them. I'll have to make a thousand. And a thousand's a fuck of a lot. This took me three two or three days to make at the time. And like I'm gonna wow. have to make a thousand of them. But if I make a thousand of them, I'll build up my skills in all this editing and and graphics and and sharing and cutting and and voicing and all of these things. And I'll and I'll get better at everything. And eventually, it'll be a thing, uh, beast. And I said to myself, that's a lot of work. But you know what? I really like doing it. So even if it doesn't work, I think I'll enjoy the, the process. And then I just started. And I think it was at about six or 800 where somebody paid me something. to. I always wanted to give them away to the audience for free. Uh, right. But somebody paid me to make one for like an upcoming fight or something. And then a few more. And then The Zone hired me to make some. And then that got Bellator going, holy shit, this is really... Joe Rogan retweeted a few of them because Joe's yeah. a good friend and a big supporter and a big mentor and a... And a, and a fucking awesome cat. And he that helped a lot. And he retweeted one that I put out with DAZN, the zone that belt of a Bellator fight and Bellator was like, Hey, those are really good. And then <laughs> I started working for Bellator. And All of a sudden, it took about four years, I spent in, and invested myself, all of my money. I you know, whatever, I believe you get a day job, and you fucking work your ass off and you make nothing and you t- and I turned down CBD money and and, um, right. you know, whey protein money so that I could just make it so the audience could have it for free. The more I made, the better I could get, the better I made them, the more it would give value to the audience. And I just, and I just started. And here we are four years later, I make a really good fucking living. I do it all day. Uh, and people like it. They've been viewed a billion times over a billion fucking times. And, uh, yeah. And it's a thing now. Uh, but it takes a long time, you know, it takes a long time and a lot of work and, and, uh, for some people, maybe six years, uh, to work on something and turn it into something that's uh, meaningful. But, uh, but I did it and I'm proud of it.
0: And that's something that's sometimes lost in an era or a generation of instant results. Where we want to post something, we want it to get like a thousand or a hundred thousand or million views. And when it doesn't, we're like, oh shit, maybe we suck or maybe we're just not going to get into it. But it does take, I mean, it takes years in order to do it. And you made it very easy for Joe to retweet because like your shit is fucking awesome. I love it. Obviously, based on the comments, UFC, mixed martial arts, people love it. Just general people yeah. love it. The comments are hilarious. Sometimes you can just get lost in the threads yeah. of what people yeah. are saying, and it's and it's so funny. Something like Beta Steve, for whatever reason, just yeah. stands out yeah. in my mind in the intergender yeah. championships. um But there's there's definitely some some stuff I want to get to before because I know I don't want to keep. Let it me too tell too you long. about
1: intergender. First yes. of all, I created the interspecies fighting championship Yes, yes, you fact, did. and that that was animal versus animal, and I actually. Trademarked it because I know one day I'm going to make a a show in an environment with 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 a larger budget, and I'm going to do it maybe on a set, and I'm you know we're going to turn it into. I could pitch that shit to A and E right now or one of these networks, and 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 it's also the key if you're going to make something is you have to make it so that it couldn't just be uh, reproduced by anybody, right? right? Uh, It has to be connected to you, and the way to do that is by making it. Honest, real, passionate, funny, you know, your personality becomes a part of the fabric of the thing. So, so anybody could, they couldn't use interspecies fighting championship, but they could use cat versus dog and make it. It's not going to be the same. Um, But so then I went to intergender. And when I did it, it actually existed already from a genius, Uh a true genius, the word intergender. I don't, I think it was intergender something else, but wrestling based. It was Andy Kaufman. You remember oh, Andy Kaufman, yes. the, the, the genius? Yes. He did, I believe it was called the intergender champion of the world or something. And he used to go into, and of course, this is horrific. And now we're not yet at the point where this would be funny again. It right. was, uh, maybe it would, I don't know. It was so extreme that he was mocking anyone who would do it. He would go in and he would be standing there wearing pajamas and say he could beat any woman. And he would say, <laughs> it's like this. Man, dog, woman, right? And which of course is unacceptable, but it was so absurd that he was making fun of anybody who would actually think that was acceptable. Right. Uh, But it was the level of high level comedic genius that I don't think would fly now, but somewhere in there, and I was an Andy Kaufman fan growing up, so when I saw... Inter- when I went to move from interspecies to intergender, I realized I had heard it before, and I searched for it, and then I was blown away that it was an Andy Kaufman reference. I don't know how he used it, but he used it.
0: Now, I want to talk about you know, challenges, right? And you know, we talked about it's not just all rainbows yeah. and butterflies, yeah. but we go yeah. through some challenges, and one of your biggest challenges came in 2006 you know while touring in the uk the rock star lifestyle seemingly caught up to you and after a diet of red bull vodka party favors and no sleep for 72 hours you suffered a drug-induced seizure yeah for some this is just part of the lifestyle that is associated with the rock star but for you it was a wake-up call how Did you process what happened? And was it a relatively easy decision for you to leave that life behind?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Because again, I think, I don't think I ever took credit in my own mind for saying I made the right choice. Right. And maybe that's memory is different i'm I subscribe to this idea of choiceless awareness, okay that you're almost watching yourself make the right choice based on your life experience i don't I rarely sit there anymore in my life and examine um, options for long periods of time and decide somehow. And this hasn't always been this way, but I've always been somewhat decisive. I see decisiveness as a superpower. And I see it as a superpower kind of under attack by the world around us. It's And I can succumb to being on searching on Netflix for a length of time, but, not, <laughs> but, I, but I'll resist it. Right. So it's somehow, so basically, you kind of, you know, wake up. It's not even wake up, like, I don't know, maybe it sort of is. I've been knocked out before, and when the flashlight hits your eyes, if there's a flashlight, or the doctor's in your face, or whatever the situation is in in combat sports, when you've been knocked out, it feels like you've just woken up. Now, when I was knocked out, when I saw the video, I actually was kind of moving, but in my mind, I remember just being awakened from a deep sleep. And the seizure was somewhat sim- similar. I can remember the feeling of having a seizure. And so I started to feel something sort of, see- and literally you feel your arms start to seize. There's like right. an electricity kind of shooting into there and you start to lock up and there's a panic. Like, you know, something's wrong. And like, cause it's unfamiliar. And and so I had a bit of a panic. Apparently, I said something like, quick throw some water on me. Or I, I kind of remember saying that. Right. So I remember that, but I but I remember separately just like my friends kind of looking around me, and I was lying down and they were all looking at me and they looked shocked. Right. And I kind of woke up, okay. And then I don't know actually to this day how long between the stat. And then them looking at me, I don't know. I, I it, If and when I'm chatting about it ever with any of them that were there, I'll have to ask. And I think I have, and I was under the impression it could have been 20 or 30 seconds, but I'm not sure. Could be an hour, could be two right. seconds, could be nothing, could be off and on. That's what happens when you when you detach from your consciousness. You, you, there's just a gap. Something. It's like you turn the channel, and it was from here to here. Uh, but I knew kind of, I was pretty, pretty you know, serene about it. And definitely within a very short time, I was thinking to myself, okay, you really fucking done it this time. Like you really, this is not a joke. Yeah. And then that was about within the 36 hours of flying home. And and the next day and the flight home, there was pain in my body. I guess there's some type of enzymes or something that happens. There's pain, a lot of pain in my body. Now, by the time I went to the doctor, uh, within about two days of that, I had already kind of decided, okay, you got to, like, you know, you must get your shit together. But I think I kind of meandered so far from what was a sort of a comfortable way, what felt like the authentic way I live, and right. and which is somewhat healthy, motivated, driven, purposeful, you know, living with intention. Um, and uh, moving my body and like, you know, uh, that the idea even of change everything just felt like so natural. I don't know, but it's also good luck. You know, it's, you don't control your thoughts necessarily, certainly not in, in situations where you don't have your shit together, whether that's, you know, whatever uh, whatever issue you might have. Uh, and through good fortune, my thoughts seemed to go in the right direction. And it didn't take long. I started training martial arts again within a week. And uh, as soon as I had five, and I started jujitsu actually, which I'd never trained. And I loved it right away. I loved the newness of it. I loved the the unknown. I loved the starting from scratch. I went back into you know, punching and kicking martial arts, which I'd done my whole life as well. But the jujitsu was so appealing. And within weeks, that was it. I was never going back. And that was, you know, and, and that doesn't mean you weren't going to face challenges of, right, you know, of um, eating poorly, drinking too much, any of these things that anyone can face, but it did mean that the trajectory of my life was changing and that was a certainty and that was an absolute. And it was, and it was, you know, um, and that was, I think, it's again. There's a certain amount of good fortune. Things you've learned, things you've been exposed to, some of which is good fortune, and just you know, your your, your own thinking happened to go the way that, that you're glad it did because sometimes you you control your thoughts and sometimes your thoughts control you. And and this was one of those ones where my thoughts controlled me in a good way. So,
0: speaking of your thoughts, last hard hitting one to get you out of here on you've recently talked about the UFC not feeling cool right now. Mm. And they've obviously made, and that's some references to some of the yeah. challenges that they're currently experiencing for casual fans who only see the weekly Saturday night cards. What exactly is going on behind closed doors?
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think generally speaking, if you go to the macro, uh, if you go- Almost anything to analyze it, like to really deeply try to analyze it. You're trying to look at big picture and small picture, and then you're trying to, and small pictures, there's many small yeah. pictures, and then you're trying to figure out how the small pictures plug into the big picture and how it all affects each other. But I think the biggest issue when I say that DOC doesn't feel cool right now, you know, it just doesn't. And it's not just because I'm wearing a Bellator shirt or commentating gamebred fighting championship bare knuckle martial arts or doing uh, karate combat. It's not just because, and, and I still cover the UFC on KSN, the on Sports yeah. Center, like on televised Sports Center, like a dream gig when you're a, a kid. In fact, I would have never even dreamed ever in a million years that I would be on Sports Center talking about the UFC. So I I'm thrilled to do that. But it and you know, I feel bad that I'm saying this, considering I'm gainfully employed to be a part. Of, but I analyze the fighting and the fighting is still cool. But it's really difficult for any company. And, and so now we go to, you know, to the macro. It's really fucking different for any, difficult for any company to somehow be the truest mainstream corporate expression of something and cool. Right. I don't know of anyone who's done it. And if they have, the uh, would be one of the few. Uh, and if they, if and when some companies do it, it's not for very long. Coca-Cola isn't cool, right? right. You know what's cool? All these cool different sodas. Budweiser's right. not cool. Craft beers are cool, right? You know, yeah. uh, I don't know what this, the example of this in sneakers is, but you know, everything has this challenge. This isn't a challenge of. You know humans expressing combat in a cage this is a challenge of growth Um, right you cannot be mainstream corporate and cool at the same time and so trying to hold on to it is difficult and even if you are you know you mentioned that a kid wouldn't know this then they're really (laughs) not going to know what i'm talking about when i say this but big arena rock rock bands, Journey and, and and bands like this, all of a sudden punk rock or grunge or whatever comes along. And it's cool. It's just so cool and so different. And then what happens to punk rock? It becomes corporate bullshit. And it's not cool. And then something else cool comes along. Why? Of course the UFC would face that exact same challenge. Of course it would, right? It's yeah. Yes, it's a sport and it's a business and it's a large corporation and it's an entertainment conglomerate but it's also an art and this has yeah. happened to every kind of art that's ever happened. So, uh, and you know, there are other factors, the audience changes. So yeah. the game of, you know, Hey, we are the, you know, we, we run this thing, this guy's going to fight or if he doesn't like it, he can sit. Well, the audience now sees behind the the curtain, they get a little bit of information being, being a bit of a, you know, overly strict and overly structured and overly rule, wait a second, aren't you the UFC? I thought you were cool. Why are you like this? Why are you like my dad? Why are you like the the school principal? Why are you being so corporate, right? So they're just, right now, they're not the coolest. However, when Conor McGregor fights Dustin Poirier or, you know, Nate Diaz fights or whatever, we don't care if they're cool. And they don't need to care if they're cool either because now they're a big successful mainstream corporation. I don't watch the UFC for my cool martial arts connoisseur fix. I watch yeah. it for Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. Sure. I go to Biloxi, Mississippi, and sit beside a cage when Jorge Masvidal puts <laughs> on a show, and commentate. You know, uh, visceral fighters fighting, or I go off and fly halfway around the world to commentate the best karate fighters in the world in the karate combat pit, or I fly to to East, um, Southeast Asia to commentate a thousand-year-old Burmese bare-knuckle martial art when I want cool connoisseur, you yeah. know, different flavors, textures. I don't get that from the UFC, you know? Uh, and, uh, you know, and Bellator, who, who I, and again, I work covering the UFC as well as Bellator. Yeah. Um, but Bellator feels a little bit more like a craft beer to me. So it's a little yeah. bit, you know, and there was a. If I say this out loud, 18 out of 20 uh, people will be like, "You're out of your mind," or "You're a you're a uh, chill," or whatever. But there, to me, when I turn on a Bellator broadcast, now bear in mind, I watch most fighting shows, even when the great Joe Rogan, who's a friend and a mentor and a, and somebody inspired. Although sometimes I listen to Joe, but I I turn off the volume, so I'm right. only watching the fights most of the time. I'm not hearing the broadcast uh, anymore. But Bellator is less formulaic. It's a little more uh, risk-taking. There's a little less of a guy in the ear telling you, you must talk this way. People don't realize that. The more corporate, the more formulaic, the more mainstream something gets, the less room there is for for art, right? Uh, And that's okay. That's okay. It'll change, you know. Things will change again. Uh, Maybe for the UFC to, you know, to be cool again, it'll have to, some, there'll be a shift, and it'll happen. And, if, and also, bear in mind, they could give two shits what me or people like me think is cool or not cool. If a million and a half people buy a pay-per-view, ultimately, that is the purpose of a corporation anyways. Not to be considered cool on, on your podcast, you and me thinking it's cool. We're just two dorks, right? Wearing a that's fucking it. Bellator shirt. Right? <laughs> they <laughs> and, don't and care.
0: That's, and that's the thing that UFC will put on fights. Do you, Like you said, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. They, yeah. The fights themselves... Turn out fantastic. It's yes. the it's the conversations about why Francis Ngannou is not defending his title after winning it just a short amount of time ago, yeah. and instead there is an interim heavyweight title because, well, according to sources or whoever, he wasn't ready to fight, and the UFC has to move on. That isn't always the case. Yeah. It's always like, a, well, we were holding out for more money, and the UFC yeah. is like, as you said. You're going to fight on this date for this amount of money. Oh, wait, you can't. Well, you know what? There are 17 other guys who are going to do it. And now we're going to move forward. And unfortunately, that's the ugly behind the curtain kind of thing that turns fans off.
1: Of course, because when they say we got to move on, what they mean is we got eight shows that we want to make for our corporate broadcast partner, ESPN, which is owned by Disney, which demands some shows, which means we need a main event, which means you got to fight. It's like, I just won this belt. I can fight in August. Well, too fucking bad. We need a belt to mm-hmm. be on the thing because we have a deal with this corporate broadcasting partner that says we will have title fights. Therefore, we have to create a belt too fucking bad for you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the... One second. Yep. Uh, my little...
0: 15 year old chihuahua need a little
1: 15 year old chihuahua is wandering around <laughs> and uh he needs he needs assistance he's i don't know how much time he's got left although you'll, oh, you'll see there it's,
0: we go he looks oh, pretty yes.
1: uh he looks pretty good he looks you know? pretty his good yeah. is hanging out of his mouth but and now he'll run away and then he'll then he'll make loud sounds and, but uh but uh uh yeah it's like at some point it's like wait a second what does your need to put on main event shows on a streaming service that is owned by Disney, that is made with a corporate, what the fuck do it? a bunch of suits, contractual obligations have to do with Francis Ngannou or me, the, your audience member? Like, yeah. and, and again, this when you're a giant corporation, the rules are different, but for the rest of us, the audience runs it. The yeah. audience runs it. And if if there are times where we will ignore our audience or times where we don't agree with them and we'll pay the, the consequences, you yeah. know, when um, and that we have to accept that. Uh, it's a little different for them. However, when there are so many more shows, when they say, if you don't like it, don't buy the pay-per-view, which is something they've said for many years. And it's been yeah. true. They could say that at some point people won't. I don't know right. where that point is because we can't get Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier without them. So, you know, but but these are all just the nature. Hello, buddy. These are all <laughs> the nature of growing pains when, um, you know, when when you start out as a small, agile, crazy, cool business and you say we have a dream of being on ESPN and being one of the biggest sports in the world. Well, be careful what you wish for. Uh, Because when that comes true, you'll find new challenges, but this is true of all of us, you know, whatever we try to do, whatever new plateau we break through whatever new environment we find ourselves in will come with new challenges.
0: Listen, couldn't have said it better myself. Robin, I want to thank you for joining me today. Uh, if people want to hit you up on social media and follow your amazing content and even see the upcoming preview and analysis that I'm sure is coming to SportsCenter with your man, Jay, for the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier trilogy fight happening on July 10th, where can they find you?
1: Um, yes, TSN, I'll be the week of fights if you're in Canada. Some I did something with, I did something with Chael this week. Ooh. Um, uh, so let's do something with Jay on right uh, Aaron my buddy uh, um, I'll do uh, uh, two breakdowns for TSN so in Canada lots of lots of coverage of UFC um, on uh, um, Robin Black martial arts on Instagram I'll have all my, my analysis and breakdown videos up Robin Black MMA on Twitter Robin Black Bink on TikTok uh, I got a YouTube channel where i've taken to just sitting and pontificating sometimes for hours which has been really good for me for my own mind and some people seem to enjoy it it's uh, robin black i think it's youtube.com slash robin black and if somebody wants a t-shirt that says bank then get it at shoprobinblack.com. but uh yeah it's uh i don't know man i'm pretty lucky i can you know when i list off these platforms and i know people go to them and i know that you know they end up generating money that pays my bills without having to charge the audience anything. That was the dream, was to be able to make the stuff that people could watch it for free without having to pay anything. And it would be of enough value to some other part of the machine that the machine would pay me and the audience to hang out and do this stuff. And that's where we're at. So it's, it's pretty cool.
0: We'll link all of the platforms down below in the video on YouTube as well as on the podcast platforms. And Robin, if you ever make a hoodie with Bink on it, let me know. I will be the first I'm guy up. to make sure I'm that up. I subscribe and get that because I'm very much a hoodie guy. Um, <laughs> the Big O Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts. So make sure you subscribe, leave a review. It's also available on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts with full videos and episodes available on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe, hit that like and notification button so you can keep up to date with all future episodes. For my guest, Robin Black, I am your host, Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening, everyone. See you next time.